It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's a sports, sports rush, rush with, with Brett Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump along with Adam Lundy. Coming up this hour, we'll talk NBA trade deadline from the Fieldhouse Files. Scott Agnes will join us. Also this hour, around 535, Eric Dute, Dute from Parkview Sports Medicine, jumps on. Gives us the top five for boys basketball. Also, we'll take a peek at some of the regional action for our area teams. And we'll uh, get some predictions from Eric Dutkevich, who, of course, joins us every Friday night on our Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Postgame Show, live from Pizza Hut. We will be on the road uh, with an SAC race that is far from decided. Tomorrow night, it is Concordia at Homestead. A couple of one-loss teams in the SAC. They both enter with a 6-1 and one record after Homestead lost to Wayne earlier this week. And so we'll have all the play-by-play action of Concordia, Homestead, and then the post-game with all the area scores to see if uh, if it's still a three-team battle at the top. And uh, Concordia, of course, will play Wayne the following Friday night. So a lot to be decided in the SAC. It should be a good night of high school basketball tomorrow night. You know what tonight is? Uh, oh, man, tonight might be one of the best women's basketball games of the year especially if you're an Indiana fan, because the Indiana Hoosiers, who come in at 22-1, and host the Iowa Hawkeyes at 19-4, and winners of eight straight. And, of course, they've got the nation's most prolific scorer in Caitlin Clark. And the uh, Hoosiers in Iowa, where Iowa just went into Ohio State a week ago, knocked off what was then the undefeated and number one ranked Ohio State Buckeyes. They've fallen on a hard time since that loss. But uh, it will be a battle in Bloomington. And almost wonder, the Iowa men are at Purdue. The Iowa women are at IU. Both of them make road trips into the Indiana, I would say the Hoosier State, but that's unfair to the men because they're not playing the Hoosiers, playing the Boilermakers. But um, you wonder, which game is going to have more people? Will it be at the men's game where Purdue's Mackey Arena has capacity of about 14,700? Or will Indiana women be able to get to that 14,000-some-odd figure? You know, they had almost 11,000 setting an all-time record their last game. But this game has been highly anticipated, very hyped. Uh, I This one, I think, will set the all-time record. I don't know if they can get it to 14,000. Yeah. But, but this is, uh, is going to be one heck of a game tonight, and it's going to be on uh, the Big Ten Network starting at 6.30 tonight. So plan your television viewing. 
Once the sports rush is over by 6.30, you probably want to be watching this game. And hopefully the uh, the Purdue-Iowa game isn't much of a game because, you know, you've got a decision to make. I guess if you're an Indiana fan, you'll watch Indiana women's basketball. If you're a Purdue fan, I guess you'll watch Purdue men's basketball. But Yeah. Uh, what's Purdue? Because if uh, the, the Indiana women are on... Big Ten Network. That leaves Iowa and Purdue on ESPN2 tonight. I'll tell you this. I am very surprised that Purdue's an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, yes, they play well at Mackey Arena, and uh, but they're coming off a loss. A dangerous Iowa team. Eight-and-a-half seems like a big number, but I haven't been picking the numbers very well of late. So, Yeah, well, you told me, you heard me thinking about maybe jumping on that uh, Rutgers line, and that didn't... No, I... I I liked it, and uh, again, Rutgers ended up getting beat by six on a a four-and-a-half-point line. Well, you know, it's because I liked it also is the reason (laughs) that it didn't work. That's that's true. You're you're my nemesis or my jinx or something like that. Something like that. Um, uh, St. Mary's takes on LMU tonight. That'll be intriguing, but St. Mary's goes into LMU as a a seven-and-a-half-point favorite, Loyola Marymount. Um, Nothing else much tonight, college basketball. It's not, uh, I mean, the drama will end early. You know, I, I've been watching games till like 12, 1230 because there's been some good West Coast games lately. Tonight's not one of those games. All of the drama is going to be packed into the early window with Iowa at Indiana women's basketball. It's a matchup of two top five ranked teams. Iowa comes in number five. Indiana comes in number two. And uh, for Indiana, it's about balance and depth. And Mackenzie Holmes, they're they're all all conference center, and Grace Berger and uh, uh, Sydney Parrish. I mean, they've got so many different weapons. But with Iowa, it all is around Caitlin Clark, and you're looking at me like you've got something. No, I'm just saying that's that's what you need to do. Yeah, you know, you got to figure out how to stop Caitlin Clark. And the problem is, you've got to be able to cover her in transition in the half court. Because as soon as she crosses midcourt, she's in range. She hit that one three-pointer against Ohio State where she was literally one dribble across midcourt and then popped it. And uh, and so and then the thing is, if you try to double her, she is such a good passer. She's almost a triple-double machine. She's She gets very close to a triple-double every game. Uh, you know, probably one of the most dominant women's basketball players in all-time college basketball. Now, Sabrina Inescu is probably one of those that would be on that, you know, could rival that. There's been some terrific scorers. Of course, South Carolina has uh, Boston, who's who's terrific big. But as far as an all-around player, Caitlin Clark may be the best that we've seen in the in the women's basketball. You know, I, I, I'm including Brianna Stewart, Paige Beckers. I mean, everybody else you want to throw in there. Uh, Clark is, I mean, she's, she's worth watching. And so Indiana, Iowa tonight, women's basketball, Purdue, how do they bounce back? This is the first game since that loss to Indiana. They've had a, about a five day break. And so they've got Iowa coming into Mackey arena tonight. And then on Sunday, Purdue has to take the road trip to kind of a surprising Northwestern team. I think su- surprising might be an understatement. They, you know, they've been hanging in there at the top of the conference almost uh, all year long. 
In fact, if you look at the Big Ten standings as of right now, that logjam where you've got uh, Purdue 11-2, and two, then you've got IU, Rutgers, and Michigan. Michigan, all 8-5. and five. Then that gets followed by Iowa, Northwestern, Illinois, all 7-5. and five. Michigan State, 7-6. and six. Maryland, 7-6. and six. And Wisconsin, who got a nice win last night. Connor Asesian, what a year he is having. In fact, you know, they, they talked about Fletcher Lawyer having a lock on freshman of the year. Hey, not so fast, my friend. Connor Asesian might have something to say about it. Have you compared stats of these two? I mean, Fletcher Lawyer is averaging like 12.5 points per game. Connor Asesian's averaging, I think, around 11. So Fletcher Lawyer scores a little more than Asesian. Lawyer, a little more assists, a little more on the rebounding. But Connor Asesian is hitting, is it 43%? I know I just looked this up last night. 43.7% from the field. Yep. But he but he's hitting 44.2%, even higher, from three-point. That's correct. 44%. Now, I'll bet if we look at the stats right now nationally, that's got to put him in the top five to ten nationally in three-point shooting at 44.2%. So, I'm trying to think, can Asesian make a run at Lawyer? Now, part of it is how your team is performing. Because remember, Fletcher Lawyer had a big-time shot against Ohio State to win the game on the road at Ohio State earlier this year. But uh, And Purdue ranked number one in the country, where Wisconsin right now is 14-9. and nine. But Fletcher Lawyer is averaging 11.3 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, um, about an assist a contest and shooting 44.2% from three. Those are pretty darn good numbers. Now, if, if we compare those to uh, to what uh, Fletcher Lawyer has done, we'll go ahead and get a quick look here at Fletcher Lawyer's numbers on the season. And for Fletcher Lawyer, he is averaging 12.4 points per game, so about one point per game more, but he only averages 1.7 rebounds. I thought he was actually higher in rebounds. He's lower in rebounds. He does average 2.5 assists. But from three, Fletcher Lawyer is shooting 35.3%. Almost nine percentage points lower than Connor Asesian. Is there any other freshman? What's the freshman uh, from Ohio State? He might be in the running, but... Uh, I tell you, it's hard to it's hard to say it's a slam dunk if you compare Fletcher Lawyer with Connor Asesian. And they're both Northeast Indiana high school guys, which is why we're making the comparison. 46862, Parkview Sports Medicine text line. You know, I was thinking about this, too. When we get back to the Colts and trying to find their coach, not only trying to find a coach, which, of course, remember, Chris Ballard messed that up his first go-round. Don't forget, Chris Ballard hired Josh McDaniels, who then turned around and rejected him and almost left him at the altar. And Chris Ballard then had to hire Frank Reich. So it wasn't a clean coaching hire the first go around for Chris Ballard. And here he is a second time trying to be deliberate, 
Make sure to cross all your T's, dot your I's, and could something go wrong this time? We think maybe, as Greg Rakestraw said, it's pointing towards Shane Steichen, who's the offensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles. But here's my question. How is is it that Jim Ursay has confidence in Chris Ballard to make the right pick at quarterback? You know, think about this. Uh, Chris Ballard was put in this position when Andrew Luck retired. It was all of a sudden we need to find a new quarterback to build around. And Chris Ballard ended up, I guess the best he could do was to get a couple of years out of Phillip Rivers. That was supposed to buy some time. Then the best choice they could go to at that point was Carson Wentz. He hasn't exactly gotten the selection of quarterback on point. And yet here at such a pivotal time for the organization and franchise coming off the disappointment that was last season and the Colts holding a high draft pick where they are going to have to make a huge selection for the future of the franchise. How do we have confidence that Chris Ballard can get it right? What has he done that's proven to us and to Jim Ursay that he's the man you can entrust with this? to get it right for the Colts over the next decade. I, I don't know that he's done anything to prove that he can get this quarterback pick right. Especially since, again, it's taken a long time to get a coach. And maybe that's by design. He did tell us it could take up to mid-February, but it didn't mean he had to take until mid-February. So we'll see what the Colts end up doing. 46862, Sparkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. Yesterday, you heard the live show at Christopher James Menswear. And, of course, going on right now through Saturday, it is the big one, the super sale. They are completely clearing out winter merchandise. And that includes winter vest. It includes socks. It includes sacks, underwear. It includes it includes uh, suits. It includes a lot of name brands like Magnani. How about these shoes I'm wearing? Man, are these nice. Uh, but you can also get other brands like Canali, Meyer, Peter Millar, Johnny O. But right now, 50 to 75% off. Now, they say 50 to 75%. Adam, I went through the store. Most of the signs right now, 75% off. Quality clothing at Christopher James Menswear. And uh, it brings everything into an affordable range for almost all budgets. And, of course, you're going to get quality merchandise when you shop at Christopher James Menswear in Covington Plaza. Once again, Canali, Meyer, Peter Millar, Johnny O. Magnani, all the big brands, up to 75% off. Check it out for yourself. You've got to get there in a hurry today, tomorrow, and Saturday, the final days of the Super Sale. It's a winter clearance going on now at Christopher James Menswear, where style and service are always in fashion. They're in Covington Plaza on West Jefferson at Getz. Mastodon women down in Indianapolis to take on the IUPUI Jaguars. I wonder if our guest on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline is going to be on the call as I watch that game tonight. Of course, it's going to be like... One eye watching that game because you've got Indiana women taking on Iowa. You've got Purdue men taking on Iowa. But I do have an interest in what the Macedon's women 
are doing. And Scott Agnes does a lot of the play-by-play for the Jaguars women's basketball team. Are you going to be on the call here on uh, ESPN Plus tonight, Scott? <laughs> I will. It makes for a, a full day, right? <laughs> this whole week tracking the trade deadline and then this tonight. Well, and let's talk about the trade deadline. I'm going to give you an, an analogy, and it's kind of a lengthy one, but I think it makes sense. I feel like the Pacers are doing some uh, maybe spring cleaning in their closet. Like they've decided they've got too many clothes. They've got to go through and figure out what they really wear, what they don't wear, what matches other outfits, uh, clean out what doesn't work. And uh, and then, then they get like a gift card where they're going to be able to go and shop to complete what part of the wardrobe they don't have. That's kind of what I feel like the Pacers have done on this on this trade deadline day. How do you explain it? Yeah, I, I think this was is best explained as finding a deal on the fringes and like they've done in previous years, uh, not doing other than last year, not doing anything too significant, but adding um, draft assets to to their disposal. And you saw today with I want to say at least three different deals where. You know, a guy like James Wiseman, for example, was able to be had for five second-round picks. Well, today the Pacers uh, were able to get three second-round picks to add back to their cupboard here so that when the time comes, whether that's this offseason, the trade deadline next year, et cetera, they have more options available when they're really trying to, you know, update the roster and, and be able to acquire a talent that not ordinarily would sign with them in free agency. It has to really come through the draft or come through trade. And so that's what they accomplished here today. And that's kind of the gift card that I was talking about. You get assets that you can cash in, and and maybe you can redeem that card for cash, or you can redeem it to get some new clothes that will fit with what you currently have already in the closet. Uh, But the Pacers did make a couple of decisions to let some players go, Uh, a couple of players that we've seen play plenty here in Fort Wayne. What were those decisions based on? Is that numbers, salary cap? What what happened to Goga and Terry Taylor? First of all, in order to complete the trade, which has not been done just yet, they have to have a roster spot to complete it, even if the guy is going to be waived, which is the expectation. For example, one of the guys, which is Serge Ibaka. But you still technically need to have a roster spot to complete the trade. Then you can waive him. So that's what is happening here. Um, Goga is the sixth center on the roster. He was their first-round pick three and a half years ago, has fallen out of the rotation, has not gotten any kind of regular minutes or, or evolved in too much. Part of that's, I think, on the Pacers. Part of it uh, on him, on, on not evolving, not developing. Uh, you know, maybe not working as hard and having some maturity issues early on, and then just kind of got a seat removed from him, right, with the Pacers drafting Isaiah Jackson and then acquiring Jalen Smith one year ago. Where does he fit in? And then Terry Taylor, he's a guy that outperformed all expectations, but he's an undrafted guy from last year that started in a camp deal, played through the Mad Ants, crushed that, got a, got a two-way contract, crushed that, then signed with the Pacers, but I, I, Rick Carlisle has chosen to play O'Shea Brissett uh, over him, more of a three-point threat, more of a guy to cut baseline and do all the little things. So um, ultimately it's Taylor. He's getting his you know million and a half for this season, but will be waived and have to find a, a new job elsewhere. 
Scott, last night it seemed odd some of the roster decisions from Rick Carlisle. I don't know how much of that was motivated with the trade deadline. Were the Pacers more active than what they ended up producing at the trade deadline? Uh, you know what? That's hard to say um, right now. As you know, right now the Pacers are still trying to complete calls, um, trade calls, and everything. But I, I going into it after Miles Turner's deal extension was ex- completed last week, I did not expect for them to be very active. Right, some of the guys that would have made sense for them, even though I think they would have gotten outbid. The primary suspect being OG Ananobi, mm-hmm. in turn, was not moved. Brooklyn Nets, who picked up all kinds of wings, did not elect to send them elsewhere and, and instead have collected them. So from some standpoints, a lot of the players, even John Collins, uh, was not moved and for some reason still stays in Atlanta here. So I, I think the Pacers certainly are active in terms of calling around and seeing values of their players and more so what it will take to uh, obtain a, another. But ever since... December, I think the plan all along was to kind of let this team see through this season, figure out what they have, have some growth, and then really try to make a build up the roster further come the offseason. Biggest move, of course, that was made, Kevin Durant to the Suns. Does that make the Suns the favorite in the West? Yeah, absolutely. Assuming health for Kevin Durant right now, he's out with an injury. Doesn't seem to be anything long-term by any means, but... You know, he, he was playing some terrific basketball, and the Nets were winning, but Kyrie's just a troubling player to have on your roster from a culture standpoint. And so they, that thing needed to be blown up. And so finally it was after Kyrie wanted out, after not getting the extension he desired, and then the Nets followed suit, and I give them credit working with Kevin Durant on a trade for him to put him in a good landing spot. I think with the Phoenix Suns, what's disappointing, though, Brett, is the Suns are in town tomorrow to play the Pacers. They're one stop <laughs> each season. The fun story will will be we'll get to see on DeAndre Ayton and hopefully talk with him about technically being a Pacer for about 12 minutes signing an offer sheet. But I would not expect to see you know Kevin Durant and any of those players acquired in that trade, which includes T.J. Warren, by the way, going back to yeah. uh, Phoenix where he began his career. Talking to Scott Agnes, who is joining us on the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline. Scott, uh, you mentioned the Kyrie Irving deal to Dallas, and we've all heard addition by subtraction. In this case, did Dallas end up with subtraction by addition? (laughs) I hear you, man. (laughs) Personally, I believe so, because I'm not even really for a uh, minimum contract, I think, would I take on Kyrie. He left Cleveland in a worse spot. He left Boston in a worse spot. He left Brooklyn in a worse spot. At some point, talent should not win out. Now, from a minor standpoint, I do understand a little bit of what Dallas is doing here. It reeks of desperation, right? They should have just, in hindsight, re-signed one of their own in Jalen Brunson, who instead chose to go to New York and join his father, who's an assistant coach there with the New York Knicks. But they would have had a drama-free situation with Brunson keeping one of their own who proved to be a great guard in their backcourt, a player I would have liked to see the Pacers draft, in fact, several years ago, but that's a different point. Instead, Dallas is not a contender with Luka by himself. So this is kind of a 30-game trial. At worst, they lose some draft picks, which and Kyrie chooses to go elsewhere. The experiment does not work. At best, they make a push in the playoffs. But the West, the big takeaway 
in this trade deadline is a lot of power shift from the east to the west. Um, and if you're Memphis, if you're uh, Denver, and even Golden State, you got to be a little bit more concerned with your competition now, especially with Phoenix, though. George Hill ends up in that package uh, to the Pacers. Is he going to suit up as a Pacer, or will he be one of those waving casualties? No, what I'm told, Brett, is his plan is to be here and finish the season with the Pacers. Uh, be more of a mentoring role, but obviously he can contribute on the court. Um, should they need him in terms of depth, in terms of injuries or foul trouble, uh, but more so uh, kind of on an on-need on basis and, you know, be that veteran locker room leader. Uh, and I think he'll he'll take on that quite well. I just selfishly feel bad for him because, I mean, he joined the Bucks last year. He, he doesn't have an NBA title. He's in year 15, and that was kind of the role he was looking to do is, is be able to contribute a, a small role, contribute off the court on the quest to winning a title here before he retires. What does he play, the two? I mean, you got McConnell playing a backup point. Is he a backup two? Yeah, he's a ball handler that can also shoot, much like kind of Andrew Nimhart. Here he was the point guard for much of his stint. You had Mm -hmm. Darren Collison for part of that. Um, So, yeah, if you need need depth at that point guard, I think more so is what you're looking at, though, because of, you know, Chris Duarte, Benedict Matherin, Buddy Heald, and others at that two spot. I think he'd more get a playing opportunity here if, you know, they need depth at handling the ball um, at that point guard. You know, I'll tell you one team that it just surprises me how they're able to pull off some things. And I think Milwaukee has pulled off another one, getting Jay Crowder in this strange, you know, ship him to one town and then immediately trade him to another. But I like what the Bucks did. They they knew one piece that they felt like would really help them, and they went and got Jay Crowder. Uh, who won the East, I guess, at this point? I mean, uh, Milwaukee, isn't it? I mean, aren't they, the, the by default, the only team that really did much to help their roster? We saw Boston do an upgrade with shooting Mike Muscala from OKC, who, if you were watching the LeBron scoring game a couple oh, yeah. nights ago, you saw Muscala go off for, I want to say, like five three-pointer. Maybe that pushed uh, Boston over the edge a little bit. To me, Boston um, has the best record. They're playing well. Jalen Brown's going to miss some time here uh, coming up. I still believe Milwaukee's the favorite. I really see it as a two-team race threat in the East with Cleveland kind of on the fringes. I'm not a believer in Philly. Brooklyn's clearly out of that race now. Um, And so you now a lot of power, again, switched out West where things get very interesting. Memphis, Dallas, uh, Denver, even Golden State making several upgrades to their roster, which I think they absolutely had to do. Clippers, too, by the way. But Warriors, you, you have to maximize this window right now with with Steph Curry and the other crew there. And I thought they did a nice job at least giving that, that team's uh, a bolstered roster to try to have another chance at it. I'll let you get all prepped for the big game tonight with the Mastodons in town. Of course, uh, I know there's probably a line around the block waiting to get into the jungle tonight. Uh, but uh, we'll watch it and uh, follow the call tonight as the Mastodons take on IUPUI. And we always appreciate you jumping on to give us an update on what's happening with the Indiana Pacers. Appreciate it, Scott. Okay, Brad. Thank you. Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. And if you haven't already subscribed, do so. Fieldhousefiles.com. And, uh, and he, he, I mean, it's amazing that he keeps you so up to date with exactly what is happening 
with the Indiana Pacers. we got to take a time out, and when we return, we're going to be talking to Dute. It's Eric Dutkevich from Perfume Sports Medicine who's going to join us, give us the this week's Boys Top 5. Uh, I wonder if Wayne earned their way on the list with that win over the Homestead Spartans the other day. Also, previews and picks for the high school girls basketball regionals. That's coming up next here on the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Big home weekend for the Mastodons. They take on Youngstown State at the Coliseum tomorrow night. And then on Sunday, they'll be at the Gates Center on campus at Purdue-Fort Wayne to take on Robert Morris, a team that the Mastodons lost to when the two teams played at Moon Township just outside of Pittsburgh. And guess what I've got? I've got three tickets, you know, right here. Three tickets to Sunday's game at the Gates Center. If you'd like to get the tickets, all you have to do is text the word DONS, D-O-N-S, to 46862. These uh, are printed tickets. They are available to pick up here at the studios on Maples Road. You'll have to get them tomorrow because the game is on Sunday. A 1 o'clock game is not going to interfere with the Super Bowl at all. You can go to the game and then have all day to enjoy the Super Bowl. But it's a 1 o'clock tip. Dons versus Robert Morris. Three tickets. Okay, three upper-level general admission tickets at the Gate Center at uh, Purdue-Fort Wayne for Sunday's game against Robert Morris. That is Don's, D-O-N-S, to 46862. Back to the Masters Heating and Cooling Hotline, and we welcome our weekly guest from Parkview Sports Medicine, Eric Dute, Dutkevich. Dute, how are you to this Thursday? Good afternoon, Rumpy. It's been a couple weeks since we've been on together. Yeah. Good to hear from you again. Yeah, you know, I got to give Shannon something to do. He does get a little <laughs> bored, so I got to give him a chance to come in here and kill a couple of hours just to keep the guy, you know, going. But uh, no, I appreciate Griff filling in. But yeah, let's talk uh, some high school basketball. First of all, we got to talk about this SAC boys race because things have really tightened up at the top and things got interesting earlier this week when Wayne knocked off Homestead. Yeah, I mean, really, I, you know, you could say it's a surprise, but at the same time, like, Wayne has been really playing really well to get that big overtime win uh, over Homestead, you know, earlier this week. Uh, it just really, it's made it a three-horse race. Everybody at 6-1 and one with Wayne, Concordia, and Homestead uh, because uh, Concordia has been able to play well, too. And it's going to be a fun couple weeks of the uh, regular season left because, you know, we have Homestead and uh, Wayne this Friday, and then also to Concordia and Wayne play, I think, next week. And so, you know, there's a lot of uh, games to be played yet, and it's really cool because you're seeing those top uh, teams in the league play each other that, that really will ultimately decide SAC champions. And we'll get to the boys' top five coming up, but we also want to talk uh, some girls basketball. And uh, real quick, uh, I want to talk about something that happened well, since I was here last, I never had a chance to really talk to you about it, but I think it's pretty monumental because all year long, we basically were handing a sectional trophy to the Northrop Lady Bruins. Katie Jackson probably still feeling the sting of, of the loss to Carroll. Uh, that seemed to be the big surprise out of all the sectionals. I, I thought that was probably the biggest shocker without question. Oh, definitely. And I mean, you know, I think... It's a credit to how good Carroll is. I know Northrop had a wonderful year, uh, go 9-0 and in the SAC, win your first uh, SAC title in 30 years. And I, and I know there were high hopes for that Northrop team, but I think that's kind of the, the way sectionals are. It's, it's, it's a second season for, 
for everybody and, and for teams like Carroll, teams like Snyder, teams like uh, Homestead that you know didn't have the opportunity to win conference titles to come in and play and get some hardware and and those teams did just that and and you know Northrop season comes to a to an abrupt end um, and but really I mean I think Carroll was playing hot at the time and 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 had a great night a great fourth quarter in particular and uh, that was all she wrote for the Lady Bruins but great season for Katie Jackson and company sad for them to come to an end especially that lightning in a bottle moment when you get to uh, coach all three of your daughters at the same time that's not going to happen again and 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 it's probably you know one of those things where you wake up the following morning and it just kind of hits you like a ton of bricks that it's over and before we move on to regionals let's go ahead and talk boys basketball and get this week's top five because uh you know, we're in the stretch run. These games all add take on some added significance. We've got a couple of good ones coming up in the SAC, including where we will be tomorrow night with uh, Concordia at Homestead. That should be a lot of fun. Two teams now 6-1 and one in league play. And then, depending on the outcomes, next week you've got Homestead-Carroll. That could play into who wins the championship. You've also got Concordia and Wayne. So, a lot of drama over these last two Fridays. I can't wait to get it going. And, of course, tomorrow night, our coverage presented by Indiana Physical Therapy with the uh, Concordia Cadets and the Homestead Spartans and the Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Post Game Show will give you updates on all the area scores and maybe even peek ahead to regionals coming up tomorrow after the game. And so be sure you tune in live from the Coventry Pizza Hut. All right, dude, you ready to do this? The top five? Yep, let's rock and roll. And, of course, this is a snapshot. This is not a season-long buildup. It is a snapshot of the most recent games. Who's playing the best this week on the boys' top five? And so let's go ahead and hear it, starting at number five. Number five, we head to the NECC and the Central Noble Cougars. 14-5 and five with four straight wins. They've also won six of their last seven. Their only loss has been to Concordia in that seven-game stretch. Uh, wins over Whitco on Tuesday. And a big Prairie Heights win at Prairie Heights last Friday night. Over An overtime win over Northrop, too. So this is a team that's really playing well. They, they lost, they've only lost, really, to West Noble twice. Uh, and so they're starting to get some momentum. Uh, really like this team. Some NECC action tomorrow night. Uh, but, yeah, Central Noble getting into the top five this week for the first time all season. And at number four. Number four, the Adams Central Flying Jets. You know, this is a team that Jets are kind of like on autopilot to a certain extent. Twelve straight wins after a one-and-four start. You know, they get a ten-point win at Leo. Then they go to Fremont and get another road victory. They play South Adams tomorrow night for a chance at their first ACAC title uh, in 11 years. So they've been playing really well, especially since that ACAC tournament. Ethan Poling has been a good X factor for them of late. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Adam Central coming in at number four. Okay, let's go on up to number three. Number three, we say hello to the Concordia Lutheran Cadets. For your team, of course, six and one in the conference. They're still in contention for an SAC title. Uh, you know, they beat Northrop uh, by ten on Tuesday and a thirty-six point win over Angola last Thursday. They got a big stretch of road games coming up 
at Homestead, like we mentioned, tomorrow night. They also have DeKalb and, of course, Wayne next Friday out at Wayne. So SAC's implications on the line. This Concordia team is in the mix. That Lures loss could really come back to bite them. But, hey, you're playing your best ball this late in the season. All good from the Concordia team. If it weren't for a few bad years, I could say the dynasty began back in 1981. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it might have had a few years that we were a little down uh, during that tenure. All right, so we are now at number two on this week's Boys Top 5. Number two is the Norwell Knight. Seven. Another, you know, 10 straight wins for this team. 30-point win at Columbia City to take sole possession of the NE8 lead. That was huge for them, a big win. Luke McBride has looked good all year, uh, just creeping up on uh, 1,800 points for a career. This team, 71 points per game, really a high-flying offense. They're going to be a tough out in the tournament. And, of course, they pretty much have wrapped up the NE8 We'll crown champions when champions are crowned, though. <laughs> ah, here we go. Let's get it. The number one team this week on Dutes Boys Top 5. Number one, we find those Wayne Generals. We talked about it earlier. It's a big overtime win over Homestead uh, on Tuesday. Creates a first-place tie in the conference. Six straight wins. They knocked off Blackhawk Christian a couple weeks ago, so they've really looked good. They put it all together. Javon Lewis Jr., 26 points against Homestead, 26 against Blackhawk Christian. He's one of the best players in the area and a name to know, especially as we head into the end of the regular season and into the postseason. Do you think anybody had picked that the final week of uh, SAC competition, Wayne-Concordia, would be the game that would decide the SAC? Because it might be that way. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly didn't. And, and it's a, just a testament to all three of those teams, Homestead, C- Concordia, and Wayne. Three different teams, different rosters, different scenarios on how they've been the last several years. It's really cool to see that in the SAC where you got three teams battling it out for that coveted SAC title down the stretch. And, of course, Carroll's sitting there saying, hey, don't count us out because they've mathematically figured out Concordia beats Homestead, then Wayne beats Concordia. You you go into this whole sequence where everybody could have two losses. We could end up with four teams into that that first-place tie. Very exciting. Uh, now let's talk girls basketball regionals. And, of course, it's a one-game regional. You go, you win, you get a trophy and a net. And then it's on to semi-state where we still don't know who will play who uh, coming up next week. But 4A in Marion, that's where we're going to be with our coverage. And it starts with Homestead versus Fishers. This should be a really good matchup. Yeah, these are two good teams, two perennially good teams. Homestead gets over that big win in Columbia City in the first round and then goes on to the sectional title uh, pretty easily. This Fisher team, though, number three in Class 4A, they beat Noblesville in double overtime in the semi-sectionals, and then number four, Hamilton Southeastern, to win sectional. I think Fisher's is just going to be too much at 23-2, and two, uh, but Homestead a great year. I'll take the Fisher's Tigers in that uh, 4 o'clock game up at Marion. And 7 o'clock, of course, you got the Snyder Panthers. We had Coach Reggie Tharp on with us in our first hour. Uh, after a 2-3 and three start, boy, they've been really good, winning 18 of their last 19. And, uh, and that includes 
a win over Fishers back in uh, late November. This is a team that really has found their identity. It starts with defense and uh, efficient offense, effective three-point shooting. But you got to like what Reggie Tharp has done with the Panthers. Are they good enough to beat Lafayette Harrison? Yeah, you know, I think they, I think they are. I mean, they've re- got up to number 10 in the polls. They've just slow and steady has been the race for the Snyder Panthers, especially with all the talk of Northrop all season long. This is a team that kind of flew under the radar for a lot of it, especially after starting out of the gate slow. But, yeah, you know, Janaea Donahue, Jordan Poole, uh, Tia Finnessy, some big contributing key factors for that team. They've been, put it all together. And, you know, this is a, you know, a lot of new faces from last year that won sectionals and got to regionals last mm-hmm. year. Uh, and now, you know, they're back. I think they get it done against Harrison and the Raiders on Saturday. Love the 3A matchup. Norwell, Hamilton Heights, two programs that have traditionally been very successful. And what a win for Norwell. As, uh, I still don't know how Northwestern missed that rebound put back at the buzzer. But Norwell takes their 21-3 and record into Belmont to take on Hamilton Heights. Yeah, I, I think this is another great one. You know, Hamilton Heights, the team that beat Jay County twice this year. And so I look at that and go, wow, this, there's something about that team that at 19 and 5, it's a sleeper kind of team. But this Norwell team averaging just under 65 points a game, eight straight wins. They, you know, knocked off the, at home Kokomo Northwestern a week ago by one. Uh, so I like Norwell to pull it out. I think there's going to be another squeaker down the stretch. But give me the Lady Knights, and they move on to semi-state. Bailey Kellum may need to score 50, and it might not be enough as Garrett takes on Twin Lakes. Yeah, I think this is all Twin Lakes. Number one in the uh, state in Class 3A, 26-0. and 0. Garrett, hey, what a year it's been for them. Uh, six straight wins down the stretch, and Bailey Kellum averaging just under 24 points in the sectional round. She willed that team to that victory, and that's why they're still playing, but... Twin Lakes, way too much for this Garrett team come Saturday. All I can get is picks only from you now, Dude, but in 2A in Winnemac, Central Noble, South Central. I like Central Noble. I think they figured it out. I'll take the Cougars. LaPel has a uh, regional, and Lures will be there taking on LCC, Lafayette Central Catholic. Yeah, this sounds like a football semi-state or regional, but it's girls' basketball uh, I like LCC. Lures, great season comes to an end. All right, Dute, always appreciate you. Thanks so much. Yep, we'll catch you later. Yep, that is Dute from Parkview Sports Medicine. We'll be back. It's a sports rush at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Purdue Boilermakers hosting the Iowa Hawkeyes tonight. We've got your coverage coming up in just minutes at the top of the hour. My pick on this one, the Boilermakers, Zach Eady might have 20 by halftime because Iowa has no big that can match up with Zach Eady, and I don't even know if they can double-team Zach Eady to take him out of this game. I'll give Eady 20 in the first half. Rabracha, good good try. Uh, Rabracha will end up, because remember, he was with North Dakota when the Dons were in the Summit League. So we're very familiar with Philip Rabracha. And uh, at 6-9-2-30, no match. No match inside. So I think the Boilermakers can roll tonight at Mackey against the Iowa Hawkeyes. Thanks to our guests that appeared on the show. Reggie Tharp, coach of the Snyder Lady Panthers. Also, Greg Rakestraw, the ISC Sports Network. And thanks to Scott Agnes from the Fieldhouse Files. And we just heard from Eric Dute, Dute Kevich, joining us from Parkview Sports Medicine. We'll be back for a Friday edition coming up tomorrow. Of course, tonight, 
basketball with Iowa at Indiana women's basketball. Great game tonight, and we'll have Purdue versus Iowa right here on 1380 The Fan. Thanks for listening. It's another edition of The Sports Rush.